I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video games industry from the past couple of weeks. We cover PC, uh, consoles, mobile, gaming in general, the industry as a whole. My name is Patrick Beja and I am the version of Patrick Beja that has been taking care of a baby that is potentially teething for the whole day. So I might not be 100%. Uh, the one who is 100%, however, is Olivia Grace joining me uh, for the first time on the show. But I've known you for, for quite a while. How are, you, how are you doing, Olivia? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Patrick. Uh, when we first met, obviously, I was living in Europe. So I feel like at, at 9am, talking on a, this amazing podcast, I'm probably at about, you know, 85%. I don't know that I can say I'm the full, <laughs> my coffee cup is at, at 90% occupancy with coffee still. So I think uh, as that goes down, my percentage will go up. But yeah, we've, gosh, we, we've known each other, I don't even know how long at this point. It, I, don't I, know. I, I think I first met you in person in 2003. Well, maybe something like that. Yeah, um, something like maybe that? even the earlier. I, rem I remember clearly uh, when I was working at Blizzard and you would you were mm. still at Zam. Um, wowhead, basically. Uh, and yeah. you, you, you saved my life during those interviews. I think it, it was probably for a, a wow expansion. And uh, and I could always count on you to ask the first question, which is the most difficult one to get out when you have a, a bunch of journalists all super shy, especially in Europe when people don't necessarily speak uh, the language as their first yeah. language. Um, and I was like, "Ah, oh, Olivia's there. Awesome. We're, it's gonna. She's gonna get the thing get, uh, uh, kick started." So. Get everything moving. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was always, you know, when we were doing those, it was the influencer type journalists as well. It wasn't your polygons and your, right, right. you know, the sort of Kotaku type people. It was the the influencer types, so the the wow heads and such. So we were all just we were all just a bunch of nerds who were really, really, really <laughs> excited to be in the same room as some Blizzard devs. So yeah, I remember, I remember meeting you at definitely at Gamescom. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was 2011 or 2012. Yeah. Something a long like that, time. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you were there and then you moved on. You actually worked at Blizzard. So we are two Blizzard alumni. So any Blizzard news we have is going to be tainted by uh, the, the love forced upon us by our uh, corporate overlord or former <laughs> corporate overlord, right? Uh, and then yeah. so you were in the esports team uh, when you were at Blizzard. Yeah, I was. I was at Blizzard for uh, a shade under two years. I was on, uh, hired in to, in their words, uh, rejuvenate World of Warcraft esports. Um, I think it had been sort of on the back burner for a long time on a team that was very heavily focused on StarCraft and, you know, the, the nascent heroes of the Storm scene at the time. Um, and so they sort of had this person who is a super awesome guy but didn't really play World of Warcraft. And he was sort of trying to deal with WoW as well as Hearthstone. 
And Hearthstone at the time was blowing up in the esports world. So they thought, you know, we really, really need someone who can just focus in on WoW because it's kind of the redheaded stepchild at the moment. It's not getting the love it deserves. So we'll try and find someone who's fairly organized, can write fairly (laughs) well. Like 85% organized is what you mean. 85% organized, exactly. (laughs) Can write fairly well and also knows World of Warcraft PvP very well. And I think I was the only person on the planet that had (laughs) That combined all of those. All of those qualifications, exactly. So yeah, I was there. Uh, it was a crazy time. We 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 had a you know we relaunched the World of Warcraft esports stuff. We added in the now super successful Mythic Dungeon Invitational, yep. um, and basically like tried to make arenas watched again, which we which we did succeed at, and that was awesome. But I I left there after about two years. Um, and moved on to my current position, which uh, I actually went there via... I'm at Twitch, yeah. So I went there via Curse, which I know you and I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the the less World of Warcraft or League of Legends-centric listener was a, a, a company that was putting on uh, voice systems for League of Legends players. Uh, controversially got kicked out of the League of Legends scene in 2014 because they were putting in these timers that, you know, when the dragon spawning or the baron timers, that kind of thing, ability timers, this person just used their alt and now it's, you know, going to be back up again after this amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got kicked out of the scene for doing that. And then they they came back again with a massive investment from Riot and I started uh, almost two years ago, almost to the day, on the 25th of July, which is memorable to me because it's my brother's birthday. Um, and, and that on was the like a few of... weeks before. Uh, yeah, that, bought, that was right? about yeah. four and a half weeks before the acquisition <laughs> publicly announced. And uh, Hubert, who is the, the CEO of Curse and now works at Twitch as well, obviously, um, he and I sat down and I said to him, you know, what's your long-term what's your long-term game plan? Because, you know, I'm really happy that Riot is heavily invested in the company and that venture capital will carry us forward for a while, but what's the long-term plan? And he said, in his inimitable way, I know you know you bear, he said, Olivia, don't worry. And that was it. And that was all he said. And I was like, <laughs> what? And then, you know, a few weeks later, it all became abundantly clear. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I know Hubert a little bit. And uh, I also know um, one of his early investors, uh, Jeff Clavier, oh. who is a co-host on my French uh, tech news show. So oh, it's a fantastic. pretty small world. It um, really is a small world. <laughs> so now you're at Twitch. Uh, obviously, uh, you, you, my understanding is that you are uh, obliged to watch Twitch uh, anything for about 22 hours a day. Uh, that's yeah, they let I... us off with 22 some days, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, obvi- well, obviously you've been uh, uh, very interested in uh, Fortnite, if only because, you know, it's uh, blown up on Twitch. And as we often do, there's a number of pieces of news surrounding Fortnite uh, that we're going to run through. I-, I titled it in the in the doc, uh, Obligatory Fortnite-Related News Roundup, because it seems that <laughs> every time we do a show, there's a bunch of news related to Fortnite. It's kind of inevitable, kind of in the way that World of Warcraft was a, a few years ago, maybe a decade ago. Um, and the-, the first one is tangentially related, but still, it's basically that Epic Games, developer of Fortnite, of course, um, has decided they have too much money, essentially. They're like, uh, some reports actually have been stating that they uh, they made a billion dollars on Fortnite since it's it oh launched. Uh, Fortnite Battle Royale, of course. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and they're not stopping. Uh, and they also make the Unreal Engine. Within the Unreal Engine, um, they have a marketplace where creators can come in and uh, create assets that they will will then sell to people using the engine to make games. Uh, um, Tim Sweeney, who is the uh, CEO of uh, Epic Games, uh, has been quite outspoken about the marketplaces and app stores on other platforms and in other software, saying that it was uh, too much, they were taking too much, and they were taking 30%. And, uh, well, he wasn't talking about the money, but the control, and he doesn't like the closed uh, and forced aspects of some of those stores. And... They have now announced that instead of taking the 30% cut on those assets that creators make for the marketplace, they are going to be taking 88, uh, I'm sorry, 12% um, (laughs) instead of 30. So that's less than half than what they used to take. And not only that, but they also uh, announced that they were retroactively basically reimbursing or giving more money to all of the creators that have ever sold anything on the Unreal Engine marketplace since 2014, which was its launch. Um, and that really, I mean, clearly there's a competitive advantage in the in the engine market. They obviously have a lot of... Uh, 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 competition from unity and others and saying we are the ones who help out the creators the most is a big competitive advantage but they they could have done this by saying okay from now on we take less money uh from what you sell they didn't have to go back to 2014 and give back the money that sounds like they saw all the money coming from Fortnite, and they were like what are we going to do with all like we could buy <laughs> another set of golden faucets and toilet seats or um we could give it back to something i mean i don't it's it's a strange move i i don't really think we've seen that kind of thing happen uh before no indeed and i think so i think part of it is um for me it's kind of a play that they're making towards market share um right. so actually at where back in the curse days and indeed it still exists it's just that i don't work on it myself anymore uh curse the biggest part of the curse business was enabling the creation of mods and you know providing basically a b2b or b2c relationship generation system between mod creators for you know any moddable game basically and the the user at the end user and so part of that was owning that market share and if they can by association with this move they can move more of the creators onto the unreal engine marketplace steal them away from other places generate more content more interest more hype around their platform then they they can absolutely drive more users onto that platform and that sort of they're turning this flywheel that drives creation and then consumption and they're just pulling those people in and that's my opinion obviously i'm not i have no insider knowledge on this uh, but that's just what i think that they're probably up to there but i agree that the the retroactive thing is crazy and i think it's it's sort of epic is a fan of the grand gesture of the sort of big play. And I know, Patrick, you you were a marketing professional in your time at Blizzard. <laughs> well, I was um, a PR so I, uh, professional, but even professional in that sense, uh, I would use the term <laughs> loosely. Uh, but gently, yeah, sure, yeah. yes. But yeah, and I think it's sort of, it's making these grand gestures that bring a lot of attention. You know, we're, here we are talking about it on, on a podcast and we're, 
they're generating a lot of attention and actually a lot of like love and happiness. Um, so I think that that's part of part of what they're up to. And also, you know, I, I know that they they're giving things away a lot. They they released all of their Paragon assets mm-hmm. completely for free, which is a, a crazy, a crazy move to do, like even even with ever, whatever the state of Paragon, the game, all of that art and all of those assets have a ton of inherent value. Um, and I think it's sort of it's just their style of making these grand gestures in order to pull people over onto their platform, because at the end of the day, that benefits them. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. Um, as as we both said, they didn't really have to do the retroactive thing. Uh, it certainly helps them to to be the the, the good, lovable people in the industry. Um, yeah, I, I think there is an element of philosophical you know, intent in Tim Sweeney's uh, uh, decision making as well. It's probably like, well, this kind of benefits everyone and it's the right thing to do. Let's do it. Well, not even Ooh. the right thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things turn out for Unreal Engine. But certainly if you try to think, well, Unity and Unreal Engine are the two big players in that field. Yeah. Which one do you want to work with? And again, this is not for, for developers. This isn't the, the thing that developers get money-wise. Developers uh, have to give, uh, I think in both cases, like 5% of their gross income after like they've grossed 3,000 bucks or something um, mm-hmm. if they use the engine. So it's a kind of a, a revenue share model, both for Unity and for um, Unreal Engine. But for creators who enrich the marketplace if you have the option between the two obviously now you're going to be thinking ah, maybe i want to go with uh creating stuff for the unreal engine and that yeah them. yeah exactly and i mean i i don't know enough about the sort of the, the work that these these guys are doing in between unreal and unity as to whether that work is transferable between the two my expectation would be that it's it's additional work to move from one to the other so right. once my expectation again then is once Epic have got these creators locked into, well, locked in is a strong word, you know, bought into the notion of using Unreal, then they're going to stay there. Mm. Um, and there's going to be some big thing of, you know, moving back across to Unity if they decided to do so. So I think it's, I think it's a smart play from Epic. This reminds me of the, the big gesture they made with Paragon itself. Yeah, you know, we yeah. were talking about the assets earlier. And I think that yeah. they keep doing these kinds of really cool things that endear them to the community. And there's a lot of, a lot of good motivation behind that. And since we're talking about community and Fortnite, um, we've been saying it for a, a few weeks, a few months now, but obviously Fortnite is a juggernaut. But I think initially we were thinking, well, it's a juggernaut because it's fun. It's fun to play and it's more accessible than uh, PUBG. It's more kids-friendly. It's free to play, all of those. But as the weeks have been going by, I think we're realizing that it's not just that. It's also that the team, we were talking about marketing earlier, uh, they are geniuses at the, the the community building and the marketing of this game as well. Um, I... I don't know if you've been following this, but they created an ARG alternate reality game where elements of the game showed up in the real world. Uh, there was the, the the burger joint logo or mascot that appeared in the desert in the US somewhere. And then yes. there were llamas all, acro- all across Europe. That is a genius way it of getting crazy. press, isn't it? 
Yes. And so I, I actually heard about it, you know, and obviously Fortnite working at Twitch, it's a huge part of our ecosystem and a huge part of our, our world and our day to day life. But um, I saw actually I was just browsing Reddit of a morning with my coffee, as I do, and saw that the burger in the desert. And I was like, what is that's bizarre. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. You know, my initial thought my immediate thought was, oh, they're doing a, a, you know, a launch. They've got the new season coming soon and they're setting up for a launch. And, you know, I was quite cynical and I was quite sort of jaded in my approach. It was like, oh, they're just moving assets out into the desert. And then the police cars start showing up. I'm like, hang on a second, <laughs> Olivia, you were far too cynical and jaded in your initial assessment of what they're doing here. And, you know, and then I, I was sort of like, what is going on? This is crazy. And uh, I mean, I don't, to be clear, I don't play Fortnite, but it's so the, the exact association didn't you know jump out at me but the llamas are something which we you know you see actually a lot of around the twitch office sure. um, not an arg just because they're fun uh, but the then the llama in the phone book a, a friend of yeah, mine actually yeah. sent me a photo you know a friend of mine who back in my real estate days i worked in central london and a friend of mine who is a real estate person and still a real estate guy sent me a picture saying is this something to do with a game <laughs> to me and like you're the one person I know who is into games, Olivia. Is this something related to a game? And I think it's it just grabs the imagination because it's yeah. such this great cartoony style, and it's so cool. I, I love what they're doing, and I think that the, you know, it's they talked about the game detective Discord and that they're triangulating things together, and I just love this sort of ARG like treasure hunt style of marketing that the polygon article uh, said that you know north american fans continue to wait in the california desert and you know i hope they're staying <laughs> hydrated but you know it just appeals to me so much that there's a bunch of people cabbed out by a burger waiting for something to happen yeah it's really <laughs> so cool. i mean they, they've managed to understand what makes communities tick and yeah. as much as the game itself initially was responsible for its success i think the continuation of it is really they're they're looking at this long term well at least you know beyond the initial like for example the map is the map that's it and in mm -hmm. traditional games you do a map like the, the the normal way of going about it would be you do the map and then you create a different map that is different it has different characteristics and properties and you play a little bit differently and that's what yeah. um PUBG has been doing as yeah. i'm sure any other developer would have done what they're doing in Fortnite is that they have the one map but it changes over the seasons like one part of it is destroyed and replaced by something else and there's an event in the thing before or the next season starts that shows a little bit of a preview of what's going to happen or a community event where everyone goes together. I think we talked about this last time. It's just so cleverly done that there is, I mean, initially you might have said, oh, they're stealing PUBG's lunch. But at this point, it's really that they're, they're, they're uh, superior in the way they're building the community and promoting the game to the point that you have things like, you know, the World Cup, uh, final celebration when France won. Did I mention that France won the World Cup? Um, I believe, I, I think I, I've heard a few whispers <laughs> about certain countries winning the World Cup right, and certain right. other countries not, not winning bringing the World home Cup. things. Right, right. That's <laughs> no, right. Yeah, it yeah. turns out it stayed in France instead. The food I'm, is superior, I have I, to say. I am completely uh, uh, unworthy of such uh, comments because I actually, actually didn't watch any game until no, the finals. I didn't either. <laughs> and I was like, when I the finals happened. 
I was like, yay, we won. We are so cool. And, and I had never watched any, any game before. Anyway, um, so yeah, you had that. And um, yeah. so anyway, I think it's, it's really impressive the way they're handling it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of, it's very, I think your point about them not following the usual path is sort of, as, as uh, you know, old, older gamers who've been around for a while and we had to do our battle royale uphill both ways in the snow, um, you know, we've, we've sort of seen this progression and PUBG, and I, this is no slight to PUBG, they, they had the similar explosion of popularity. And I think that, you know, I, I, the differences that I perceive between PUBG and Fortnite is, you know, obviously we, we, you mentioned already the accessibility, great for kids, you know, in, in countries outside of the US and Europe where the approach to, you know, strong violence is very different. This sort of cartoon type violence is much more acceptable. Um, and I think that that's a massive part of their appeal. But I, I, I agree with you so much that the way that they're taking this sort of typical genre we've had sort of map-based games dominating the market for a while with effectively you know a battle royale is not overly dissimilar in in very zoomed out structure to a MOBA in so much as you go into a map you fight you leave and there's no sort of inherent external leveling yeah. but there are items and such um, I think, you it's, think not, it's, it's not it's uh, not on that point very quickly because I think I forgot to make mm. it a while ago it's it's not dissimilar to the approach MOBA had MOBAs had to RTSs and in yeah. that and that was the approach to survival games, right? To survival games like Ark and H1Z1. And that was a compressed experience of that. So it, it is yeah. very mobile-like in, in its uh, game design approach. Yeah, exactly. And I think we sort of see that same, it was your point about the maps that made me think of it. You know, you bring out your MOBA with your one map and then you start adding in more maps and it's sort of like, okay, this is the accepted path. And PUBG very much followed that accepted path, the sort of path of least resistance almost of, you know, here's our main map and now we're adding more. And Fortnite has sort of said, actually, you know what, this builder type game that we then pivoted into a battle royale we're gonna not follow the the path of least resistance yeah. the easy and expected path we're gonna kind of go off in our own direction and to me i think that that's that's making it something new and something exciting which is really really powering a lot of their popularity and a lot of their growth and i look forward to like you know i'm ex i as someone who does not play fortnite i'm really excited to continue to monitor the conclusion where are the llamas taking us <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it builds community, it builds story in a game that is not designed to have any story at all. But imagine in, in 5, 10, 20 seasons, you will remember all of those things. Anyway, it's it's very, very, uh, a very clever approach. Uh, and the last bit of news I wanted to cover is obviously when you have a game that becomes popular, you're going to have issues with cheating and hacking and all of those and this is an example of that in reverse, kind of. Um, a, a, an example of the frenzy that can uh, take place on the internet. Basically, um, there was one player who was participating in tournaments. He's called Eyedrops Bodies with all sorts of capitalization and stuff like <laughs> that. Um, and someone or a few people suggested, hey, I think he's cheating. And some people were saying he's using a mouse and keyboard and he's having people join his games so that they can get killed and, you know, queue up at the same time. So you're in the same game and then you get killed and you you kind of uh, get a leg up um, on, on the other players. And there's a whole, like, investigation on Reddit slash Twitch slash everything um, where a bunch of people were convinced that he was cheating. 
Um, and to their credit, Epic jumped on this fairly quickly, did a uh, an extensive, according to them, um, investigation, and they determined that he did not, uh, in fact, kill specific players multiple times over a certain number of matches, that he did not win more than uh, any other player. He, he was not, um, you know using an easier method of input that would give him an advantage, mouse and keyboard, although they mentioned that, you know, they keep those available because it's easier for people with disabilities to use the um, the, the inputs for other types of controllers. Anyway, whatever. They recommitted to the fact that they don't want to, uh, cheating to have any place in the game. But it's really interesting in the way that that poor guy who actually, did he delete his Twitter account or something? Um, he deleted his Twitch channel, yeah. Yeah, that's terrible because, I mean, yeah. I mean, mob, mobs are going to be mobs. But um, I, I was reading it and I have to, to admit, uh, reading the account of this, this, how this unfolded, initially I read it and I was like, oh my God, he's using a keyboard and mouse and he's taking <laughs> advantage of, the, and I was ready to condemn the guy. Um, so I don't know what that says about anything. It's just a random <laughs> gaming story, but, um, yeah, I think yeah. it's an interesting one that, you know, obviously with, with having been part of the esports world, the, the sort of, there is a really difficult balance to strike, um, between cost and fairness and effectively what, what do I mean by that? So obviously the absolute fairest way I, I'm kind of doing the bunny ears inverted commas around fairest there, but obviously this is a podcast. You can't see it. Um, but just trust me that I am. And I, I think it's, you know, the fairest way to do things is to do everything LAN, put everyone in a building together, put everyone on a stage together every single time um, and, you know, play everything out in person where the internet's mob justice brigade can see that the guy isn't doing anything nefarious. Right. Um, and, and I, you know, but obviously on the other hand, there's cost elements there. And obviously we've, we've talked about how Epic Games isn't exactly short on dollars, but no, it is just a fe feasibility. The, You're not going to be doing every tournament, yeah, bring it, bring exactly. And it's, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. And you know, this, this gentleman, um, eye drops bodies probably has a life, you know, probably has a career and maybe he's in school or, you know, it's difficult and it's disruptive to do everything in LAN. And it's sort of, um, I personally, as you know, a person whose job is to work on Twitch chat every single day, it's it's literally what I do at Twitch is run the team that builds and maintains Twitch chat. Uh, so <laughs> I'm very familiar with Twitch chat. That ways. sounds like a fun job without any kind it's, of frustration at any point. Yeah, it's an interesting job. And I, I note uh, Hassan, our, one of our great uh, account partnerships managers, um, talking about how witch hunts are never a good thing. And it's like there's a love-hate relationship with the community. Um and I think that it's, you know, there's this sort of horrible thing at the moment where the onus is on, in this case, eyedrops bodies to prove the rumor mill wrong. Right. And that's incredibly hard to do. And there's sort of, you've got to do that at the same time as like suffering this enormous, you know, sudden burst of persecution. And it's, it's a really, really horrible thing. And I think it's, it's great that Epic sort of stepped up and said, Hey, you know, we've seen no evidence of this. We've, you know, we've got no evidence of anything. We have no problem with this, particularly this gentleman sort of in good standing with us, uh, has achieved more than 20 eliminations in a match multiple times across his Fortnite career. And I think it's, you know, I'd love them. I, this is great. And that's, you know, fantastic step one. I'd love to see them going even further and talking about sort of saying, hey, don't do this. 
you know, also this isn't okay and this isn't cool. You mean and about their the, the is, witch hunt and uh, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, uh, one's own reactions aside, my my having been in the esports world, my reaction to he used a mouse and keyboard is probably mm. sort of more of a hmm, but did he? And how do we know? <laughs> and you know, having suffered right. that, well, not personally, but having seen that same kind of mentality, my my initial thought is always a bit more hmm, let's see. But I would love them to go further and say not only is unsportsmanlike contact from conduct from participants not tolerable, but these attempts to hang a community member are also not not tolerable. Yeah. I'd love them to see. I'd love to see them doing that. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. But if it does, let's hope they address this as well as the uh, mm-hmm. the cheating uh, allegations themselves. Um, all right. So that's it for the Fortnite section of the show. Now we're going to run through <laughs> a, a few little bits and pieces of uh, gaming news. The one game that was released in the past uh, couple of weeks that I think most people have been talking about is Octopath Traveler. Um, I did play through the demo a little bit. It, 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 I think it's an interesting game because it kind of, uh, tries to modernize a lot of the, um uh, uh retro jrpg feelings that we have i mean the, the the way we remember them and it has this incredible graphical style where it mixes 2d and 3d and and pixelated things um i i have to say i'm sure th- i mean i know there are a lot of people who are enjoying it it didn't really speak to me all that much because it felt as much as the rapper was imp- modernized in that charming uh, uh, retro way, I feel like the gameplay itself didn't receive the same treatment. And I was a little bit disappointed. It's, you know, it's got this uh, uh, stacking up of turns and you can use to make your uh, abilities stronger, which is a clever twist on on the thing. It reminds uh, a little bit, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Bravely Default, but not quite much because you don't have to default anyway. But the game itself felt very much old school, and that's what they were going for. But I, at the same time, I, I was a little bit disappointed by the uh, nature of the gameplay. And maybe it changes later down the line, but I, I've heard people being very much engrossed in the game. It just didn't grab me personally. But the demo is available on Switch if you want to give it a try. Yeah, indeed. I I have not touched it at all. The JRPG style is is not not really my not personal thing, thing yeah. but it does look very very beautiful. The two D three D, as you mentioned, looks fantastic. Yeah. Um. And by the way, there there were a few people saying uh, I heard on a couple of podcasts, and there were a couple of articles about the hunter character that speaks this insufferable old English ish thing where they add. <laughs> Like eth and thy, every word is old, old Englishified. It was yeah. Ah, uh, it was. It's weird. See this, I did see. This I did see. This was something that a bunch of, I actually saw on Twitter, which is apparently where right. I get all my news. Um, that's. <laughs> I think uh, one of the articles called it an extreme version of Middle English that <laughs> yeah, needs yeah. almost as parody. And I think the almost as parody is kind of you know a, superfluous. You know, superfluous. Yeah, it doesn't need to be there. And um, it's having studied Middle English because I went to an English university and studied English, which oh, means yeah, you have okay. to study all of the English. This is in no way similar to Middle English. <laughs> <laughs> this is just some bizarre, it's sort of like when, you know, you have, you want to make your, the example that immediately springs to mind is here in the US, there's a vitamin shop 
called Vitamin Shop that they put the P-E on the end to make it seem ah, sort of oldie-worldy right, right. and cutesy. <laughs> and, you know, this isn't a shop that's been around since the 11th century. This is a shop that's been around <laughs> since the 11th of May. And it's, it's this bizarre sort of, oh, yeah, we'll stick some suffixes on this. And it seems like they went to the vitamin shoppy school of English for this one. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And it's not like I don't, you know, it, a little bit of old English like language is fine, but yeah. here it's so much that it felt it was distracting. Anyway, that's a, yeah. that's a, a side <laughs> thing. It doesn't really matter. It was just funny. Um, a couple of games got some interesting updates. I mean, not no man's skies update is coming tomorrow i believe mm -hmm. and uh, this is their big next update with multiplayer uh you can control space fleets i mean it feels like they're going a little bit even beyond maybe what we were expecting at launch which is nice and it's also the uh release of the game for xbox it was a playstation exclusive for a couple of years um this is an interesting one because no man's sky obviously launched as not quite a broken game, but it was very disappointing in what it promised and maybe what the community sort of hyped itself into believing it was going to be. Uh, worked really hard. It sold really well. Uh, and, and the developers, uh, Hello Games, is it? I think so. Uh, worked really hard to attain the expectations of the community. And now they're going a little bit beyond. I... <sighs> I don't know if I'm, I mean, I re-downloaded it. I'm going to give it a try. But I don't know that the multiplayer aspect is going to change the game fundamentally. Maybe it will. Uh, did you play No Man's Sky? Or I, I'm among the people who uh i was i i am i n almost never pre-order games because <laughs> i i'm not a sort of I day can one sense player. where this it's, is going. No, it's not my thing. So I saw the I I was interested in it. I saw the reaction. I didn't buy it. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I I'm, thought you, you know, had pre-ordered sure, it and were no, super I didn't. I almost no. I I I mean, I a lot of a lot of people I know were. So I actually I was I always do the same thing. I wait, and there are a few exceptions to this, but I wait for the reaction. I watch. I'm. I'm never. I'm just not one of those people who cares about being like the first ten people in a game. Right. Um. I, it's just not my personal personality. Nothing wrong with people who do, obviously. But so I think this is a really interesting one because to me, my my sort of knee jerk reaction, having encountered that that first response to the launch of the game, is you know, I, and this is a horrible reaction to have, and I kind of dislike myself for it. But sort of, oh, why should we trust you this time? Oh, right. Um, right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm probably not alone in that sentiment. And that's something which is going to be really, really tough for Halo Games, particularly, you know, almost two years on. Uh, it's, it's hard for them to fight that initial response. So I'm sort of, I hope for their sake that it goes well, um, because, you know, no one ever wants to see a developer fail at something. But I, I'm, well, I'm unsure. I think they've gained a lot of goodwill from the people who stuck with the game, which admittedly is not everyone who bought the game. Mm -hmm. And they're also uh, preparing this for the launch on Xbox, where uh, gamers might be a little bit starved with uh, content. I'm, I joke. <laughs> I mean, half. Uh, I'm half joking. Yeah. But so this is a big release for the Xbox. So maybe this is something that they're pushing in order to gain. Uh, uh, customers there but also yeah. to be fair they have been uh, pushing a lot of updates to the game and they have been um i think regaining the trust of their community already so 
we'll see. The to me, the thing is, will multiplayer change the game uh, fundamentally? Like, if I didn't like what was there uh, six months ago, will I mm-hmm. suddenly enjoy it because there is multiplayer? Maybe. Um, the 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 big uh, interesting aspect of this is you change a planet, you do things on the planet. Your someone else can now fi- find it and not just have one chance in fifteen billion of just coming across that one planet you happen to be on and be your friend who knows you. But now uh, you can travel and see those things uh, more easily. Maybe it was even possible before this update. But anyway, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, The, the fantasy is still there. Yeah, and I think one of the things, I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion on this as someone who played the game more than I did, um, well, which was not at all. Uh, one of the <laughs> things that I definitely heard a reaction around at launch was the base building. And so they're talking about how bases can now be built anywhere on any planet with dramatically increased complexity and size limits. Do you think that that is going to be a, a persuading factor for anybody? Well, I mean, bases were added uh, a few months after the launch already. So that mm-hmm. was already part of their efforts to make the game into I think it something was the, better, right? So. The location was limited, though, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, couldn't yeah. build absolutely anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I don't know. I have, The bases are, are not necessarily the thing that will draw me back to it. Ironically... Mm. Or not ironically, but interestingly, or even not interestingly, the thing that will that that gets me to want to try it again is still that thing that got me the first time, which was you get in your in your spaceship, you are on the planet, you start going up, and within half a minute you are in space and you can go back into the you know that 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 idea that you can travel from the planet fully formed and into space, and into another solar system, and, you know, that freedom um, that, it turns out, is not necessarily super fun in a game, like gameplay-wise, <laughs> um, but that freedom, I'm curious to see if they manage to dress it up enough to make a compelling space game. And I already have it. All of these updates are free, so I'll give it a try uh, tomorrow or the day after. But, um, yeah, that's, that is what gets me, and I think that's what got a lot of people initially. All right, let's talk about another game which was very disappointed, disappointing to many people, but which I adored. It was my game of the year, I think, last year. It's Middle-Earth uh, Shadow of War. Um, they have also updated the game significantly. They have dropped their uh, loot boxes, uh, and which, by the way, quick reminder, that game was four chapters, and um, the loot boxes did not matter for the first three I argue they don't even matter for the the last one, but the last one was not really part of the core game. That's what I was saying when I, I talked about the game last year. Um, the last qu- uh, quarter was actually a, an attempt at an end game um, progression that was supposed to be lasting for a very long time once you had actually finished the game. And in mm. this new update, they renamed that section the epilogue. Uh, which I think is fitting because it really isn't part of the main campaign. It's something you can continue to do if you wish to once you finish the game. And yes, there is a like one minute uh, uh, cinematic at the end, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, and in, on that one, you have a lot of grind and you have the loot crates, which supposedly were, you know, icky because they were helping you progress in that grindy thing. 
But the thing was, the, the grind was the whole point of that last segment of the game, which admittedly the idea was commendable to do an endgame in that, in that uh, uh, world, but the execution, as I readily admitted back uh, when I talked about the game in 2017, the execution was very poor. The game was just not well, that mode was not well constructed. So it was kind of uh, uh, disappointing to have the game which I loved and then have that section which was... For all its gold, good intent, not realized in a in a proper way. So they've reworked that portion, removed the loot boxes, made it less grindy. I jumped back in, and boy, I still love that game very much. I I've put like <laughs> almost a hundred hours into it. Uh, there's a demo now available which you can try um, if you if you think you might like the game. But I would recommend it's on it's uh, on promo now. If you like the uh, Batman Arkham type of combat you know the kind of uh, uh synchronized button pressing for the combat <laughs> you you will probably like that game and i i think it's it's really too bad i understand why it got a bad rap but i think it's really too bad because the bad rap overshadowed uh the fun game that was uh below it so i wanted to mention this as well yeah yeah, so, and I think it's sort of, you know, I think it's possibly also, you know, while I don't have the level of knowledge of this game that you do, um, it possibly is the case that it kind of got, there was a lot of outrage about just about any game dev, principally EA, adding a very loot box driven gameplay to their games. Sure. And maybe this one just kind of got thrown perhaps unfairly into that same bundle. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely it was, I mean, you know, the, we were, the, the, the loot boxes do not re-go, you know, remake the whole debate. Uh, definitely for battle, uh, uh, Battlefield, Battlefront 2, I think it was justified. It was not acceptable what they did there for the game. In this one and in Destiny 2, which were also criticized, I understand the criticism, but it wasn't game-breaking in any way in either of those games. Um, yeah. th those games both had very serious issues, but they were separate. And, and Destiny 2 was one of my big disappointments of last year. Yeah, but that's for other reasons, But yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah sure. so, so anyway, beyond that, loot boxes now are looking like they're going out of fashion which is not necessarily yeah. a bad thing uh, even me who spent half the year not defending loot boxes but saying <laughs> it's not always terrible uh i hey, love i am a fan of i am a fan of game devs being able to pay their people right exactly the that's that's the, you know when you do a game as a service anyway no different Anyhow, I mean, let's not clearly, dive into the loot box debate right 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 i mean clearly now as we uh, said i think last episode yeah. um we have the battle uh, pass model which apparently everyone loves so let's do yeah. that instead and not talk about the other thing uh but yeah so anyway uh I think Middle Earth uh, Shadow of War is a great game. It's uh, cheaper now, and or at least at the time of recording, and uh, it's kind of fixed. Uh, that last act is still grindy, but that's the point. It's, you know, you keep doing the thing you were doing during the game, but kind of infinitely, uh, but it's still fun. I, I like it very much, and you have the sets you collect, and you have to do... Uh, anyway, I like it. Um, <laughs> the Culling 2, have you heard about this... Yeah, sad I slash did. heartwarming story. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's been crazy again. Like you know, my my uh, encounters with a lot of these games is often via the community on Twitch. 
mm. where I, and you know, that's part of what I was saying earlier of why I don't pre-order games because I know that a ton of my friends and a ton of our broadcasters absolutely will pre-order those games. So I get a sort of free preview of many games on Twitch by just like jumping onto the site at a good time and watching. And then I will make a decision based on Twitch streamers as to whether I want to go ahead and buy a game. And that decision was made very, very quickly for me <laughs> with the culling too. <laughs> Right. So and the story is kind of an interesting one from The Calling One, which was uh, crowdfunded. I can't remember if it was mm -hmm. Kickstarted or um, and they basically stopped development on that game because it wasn't doing the things they, they thought it should um, like three months after it was released. And obviously the community wasn't happy about this. Uh, the, even the way they changed uh, the first game. Uh, it's Oh, by the way, it's a Battle Royale type game but mm -hmm. with a smaller amount of players at the same time in the game um so they stopped development on the calling one and they launched the calling two i think the day that season five started on on fortnite that's, uh, yeah so unfortunate <laughs> yeah it's not that's not great but so the calling two launched and you know there are so many games that launch on steam and sometimes, obviously, there aren't going to be a lot of people who who play it. I think their peak concurrency was two hundred and fifty, right, two hundred and forty nine players mm -hmm. a, a short while after launch. And uh, uh, you know, by the time they would they they shut it down because they did, uh, they there they had one person playing the game. And yeah. I mean, this is just it's really sad for the developer, whatever happened before. But where it turns interesting is uh, Jeff Van uh, Josh. I'm sorry, Josh Van Veld, um, who's uh, uh, one of the execs at Xavier, the developer, uh, posted a long video. I'm sorry, not long. It, it was five minutes video uh, <laughs> explaining what happened and vowing to fix things. And so what they're doing is that they are shutting down the calling two, relaunching the calling one as the day one version of that game. So they're erasing everything they did since the uh, beginning of the beta um, that displeased the community and uh, vowing to work on that game and improve it with uh, taking into account more of what the community wants and doesn't want and likes and doesn't like. And I think this is really interesting because... The, the this guy in this five minutes message has managed to turn the entire community in the favor of the company. Uh, this is really clever reading of what the community wants. And I think also a, a, a decision dictated by necessity. It's not like they could keep working on that <laughs> game that had no players. Um, yeah. But he was really earnest in his message, apologetic, and all of those things. And everything I've seen um, on on Reddit and and other avenues is people supporting him. Like obviously, the YouTube comments are usually a <laughs> hazardous place to venture yeah. into. And it seems everyone is happy and, and saying, yeah, go ahead. The, the culling is still a game I like. You can do it. And, you know, very encouraging. So this is kind of a, a, a tale to learn from. And maybe yeah. in, their, in their misfortune, something good will happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of, to me, it's also, you know, a, a great lesson in there's always a balance between 
uh, bowing to the angry mob and listening to the community. And that's mm-hmm. like always a hard, a hard line for development houses to tread um, where they, you know, they bow too much to sentiment and then they do things which maybe aren't like forward thinking. Like the community is very, always very now focused, very immediate reward, immediate response focused, but they're not thinking about the game in five years time. And, you know, I was talking about world of Warcraft the other day as I am want to do and thinking about, you know, how the original devs weren't thinking 14 years ahead when they designed the core code base (laughs) of the game, which is effectively a very complicated Excel sheet. Um, And, you know, it's, it's tough for them to balance that sort of, the community wants this, but we think that this is the right path. And these guys have definitely, you know, swung in one direction and then back in the other again. And for having the uh, the sort of the confidence to pivot and sort of say, okay, no, we were wrong and we're going back. And I, I you know, I, I definitely think that that is a fantastic thing to be able to do. And I sincerely hope that the culling 2.0, but not the culling two <laughs> is a fantastic success. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and it, it really like, his face in the on the image like in the camera for five Mm -hmm. or six minutes really put this in perspective like showing the developer as a human person and as you know a collection of human people i think it it was really well crafted and well done it felt very sincere so yeah let's hope i might oh and by the way the calling one is going to become free to play so you will be able to check it out Give it a try. Yeah, I think it's 12 people uh, in this Battle Royale. Like uh, a, 16. Oh, 16. Okay, so yeah, it, yeah. it's much smaller scale than uh, than the regular ones. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Blizzard uh, for a little bit. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention. First of all, uh, the Overwatch League has uh, struck a deal with ESPN. I mean, the Disney group, right? I think uh, ESPN, mm-hmm. ABC, and Disney. Is it XD? I guess that's how you Yeah, you, I think you read so. It. I am yeah. I guess so, yeah. And uh so they are going to be and they have started broadcasting uh parts of the Overwatch League, notably the semifinals and the finals on various uh uh channels of that group. Uh some of them are ESPN3, 2, ESPN Prime, um ABC D- Disney XD and it kind of it feels like they they put in the matches where they had a spot in their uh, <laughs> programming grid. <laughs> uh, but still, yeah. all of the matches are going to be broadcast. And apparently it's already uh, quite successful in the sense that they're reaching uh, a lot of people. My understanding is that in one of the semifinals or quarterfinals, they had more viewers uh, on TV um, than they did on Twitch, which is really interesting because they've been doing yeah. not spectacularly but pretty good uh pretty well on twitch i believe um but yeah so what do you think of this deal is it trying to reach more people trying to get money from the broadcasters uh what's the 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 intent there the impetus yeah i think it's really interesting i think it's sort of you know it's a bit of both of those things that you just said it's trying to uh it's trying to reach more people and i think it's sort of it's more than it's it's more than trying to reach more people although that is the sort of tldr Mm. it's trying to normalize and it's trying to destigmatize and it's trying to in the way that actually by merit of various other factors, Fortnite has been crazily successful in doing. It's trying to bring Overwatch into your living room. It's trying to make Overwatch something you're 
your your grandma understands. It's trying to, you know, allow you to talk about Overwatch to your mum and dad, um, or to your kids maybe, depending on you know your age and your age and your current situation. And I think it's sort of it's trying to the, the core purpose of Overwatch League is to take an esports type event and to bring it in the, the reason why they have these country type teams like London Spitfire is a great example because it's it's Cloud9 like we all know Jack and it's a Cloud9 team but they're not allowed to call it Cloud9 because Overwatch has this big focus on driving that same sentiment as the World Cup where we were just talking about how as two non-football fans we still <laughs> you know had a little laugh about our relative our, our own country's relative success and failure in the World Cup and that's that's that same feeling and obviously football or soccer depending on your current location is something which has had you know i don't even know how long to build up that sentiment and this is overwatch trying to move in that direction of being something where mm. i could in future say to you and now i'm trying to think if there is a french team in the overwatch league there at the isn't, moment. I sadly believe, I, I was gonna say i believe not yeah okay that is a shame but Maybe you know and i think season. that that's that's the end goal for Blizzard is to have me joking about London Spitfire, not Cloud9, but London Spitfire, <laughs> and for you and me to be joking about the English and the French performance because Blizzard understands that it's it's hard to make an allegiance with a team that is called Cloud9 because as a you know man on the street, you don't know what a Cloud9 is. You know what London is. <laughs> <Hopefully. laughs> so I think it's... Yeah, hopefully. Uh, as a man on the street in London, I would assert that you probably right. do. No, and I, I think I'm guessing... <laughs> and this is sort of trying to shift the sentiment around Overwatch League in that direction, in my opinion. I think that's the yeah. that's the sort of top-level play here. They, they um, and yes, they'll been... get money for the broadcast rights. They absolutely will get money for the broadcast rights. They're not paying ESPN to show it. That's not how this works. Of course. And they will absolutely get more viewers. But I think that that, that sort of bringing it into your living room is the real play. And, and yeah, I think that you're right. They have really been trying to make Overwatch into a regular sport-like uh, format. And they have the mm -hmm. league and they have, you know, the Eastern and Western Conference and they have the uh, uh, seasons and the playoffs and all of those things. And uh, it's it's really interesting to compare this to the way Fortnite has been going about it. Um, obviously, Fortnite is not a team game, so it's not exactly the same. Uh, it's a very different format, but it seems Fortnite and Epic have been embracing the video gaminess of uh the, the 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 game and it's it hasn't been out for as long so maybe they have other plans in the future but um blizzard has been trying to find the balance between certainly they have a video game uh, uh ethos to the way they present uh, the overwatch league and they use uh players nicknames and not full names and things like that but they also try to make it a lot more accessible by bringing it closer to uh, regular sports. I've, I mean, I'm a fan of the game. I play it almost every day. So it's no surprise that I've been following the um, final stages of the first season. And if you're if you've ever been interested in the Overwatch League, go check out the semifinals, even maybe the quarterfinals. And the, the finals are happening uh, this weekend at the time of recording. I'm going to be very eager to, to see those matches. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, uh, as you said, I think they're emphasizing that aspect by signing deals with regular uh, channels. I, I'm suspecting that uh, Epic won't have too much trouble signing deals 
for showing yeah. the, their <laughs> uh, no, tournaments indeed. once they're a little bit yeah, uh, and I, in place. I think it's a really interesting comparison between the two. And I think that Epic and Fortnite have generated that sentiment and normalized their game in a and i think the normalization obviously everyone listening to this podcast is probably a gaming fan we don't need a game normalized but think about the you know you're talking about it at at a bar with your friends over a glass of wine like that's where blizzard wants overwatch league to get to and that's where epic is kind of and I, i don't want to diminish the amazing work that the epic team are doing by saying that they've stumbled upon that success but I definitely don't think that, you know, when they first thought, hey, let's just throw a battle royale in here and see what happens, <laughs> they were envisaging this kind of level of success. So oh, I think yeah, it's a really interesting, you know, Blizzard's trying to kind of force people's hand and Epic is sort of letting it happen. And I, I think it's really interesting to, you know, maybe I'll maybe we'll come back again in a year and talk about this again and see where we're at then. But I think it's fascinating to understand. And it's it's good for gaming and it's good for everyone for these things, for both of those two efforts to be going on at the same time, I think. Indeed. Um, World of Warcraft, uh, another Blizzard games you might have heard about. So <laughs> World of Warcraft is free now. Yay! Well, eh, not exactly. <laughs> so basically what happened, I've seen a few headlines and uh, uh, misleading tweets, so I did want to clear this up. Basically, <laughs> the base game was... Uh, still a, a game you had to buy on on top of your subscription in order to play World of Warcraft. You had to buy the battle chest, which included uh, uh, since a few years ago, I remember I was still at the company and I was lobbying for this move to be made. Um, I, I, I was saying, well, I mean, obviously it was made without my uh, input, but um, <laughs> they included all of the expansions into the battle chest. So base vanilla World of Warcraft stopped existing, ceased existing a, a while ago. I think it was uh, during Mists of Pandaria, maybe the launch. Um, and n- now what's happening is that that base game doesn't really exist. So effectively, you can have the starter edition, which lets you... Uh, uh, play to level 20, I believe. But you don't even really need that. What you need is a subscription. And as soon as you start paying your subscription, you can start playing the game up to the last expansion. So currently, as we're waiting for uh, the next expansion to arrive, uh, it is essentially, it's not free to play World of Warcraft, but you just need to pay for the subscription for a month, for example, and you'll get all of the content until your subscription runs out. You just don't need to buy a box anymore until, you know, once the expansion launches, you will be able to play with your subscription only up to the level that you can play to before the expansion is, uh, uh, you know, the, the expansion content starts. So that would be level yeah. 110. 110. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, I think it's a great move, honestly, because part of the the difficulty and if gamers of, of our sort of age, or the, the elder gamer, as I like to call us, <laughs> we're kind of in that category of people who play World of Warcraft and people who used to play World of Warcraft. Um, that's the sort of two groups, really. And I think right. it's the, the game's popularity and its age is such that the, the, the core users are now much older. So the, World of Warcraft needs to acquire new fans. Um, it's not like they're in trouble or anything, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the the barrier to entry for a brand new World of Warcraft player, even in a world where everything up to the second most recent expansion is included in a box, as well as the subscription fee, that was kind of a high bar for people to get to. And, you know, the old structure was you buy the battle chest, you get your one month free subscription, 
in doing so and then you hope that you continue whereas now you sign up for an ongoing subscription with no battle chess cost and i suspect that there's a play here from blizzard um where they're expecting that people sign up for an ongoing subscription and are less likely to cancel than asking people to play for one month and then sign up for an ongoing subscription i think that's the important difference and i think it's great you know i i as you know patrick i'm a very big world of warcraft fan myself and i'm looking (laughs) forward to battle for azeroth so i i'm a big fan of this and i think for me it's it's always the uh the time versus money exchange and there's an enormous amount of gameplay in there for 15 dollars. that's a huge amount of game all the way up to 110 uh, 13 years of expansions and <laughs> gameplay for for $15 seems pretty good to me. Yeah, which has actually been uh, revamped a little bit in the past few months. It's, uh, yeah. well, anyway, it doesn't really matter to people who don't play, but it's been improved significantly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Honestly, I, I the, the, the thing that surprises me is that they kept selling the the battle chest or the base box for so long? I was for like, so long, yeah. They they and and it must have been bringing a lot of money if they kept doing it. Um, but I was, you know, oh, even when I was there, I was surprised that they wouldn't say, you know what, forget it. Especially since the battle chest, when it was, you needed two expansions uh, mm-hmm. at that point. It was always on sale for like five bucks, or it was always yeah. very cheap. And I was always surprised that they kept it in the the as a requirement because it was like how how much like how many people are stopped by the, I guess yeah. not many people because they kept making buttloads of money. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly now the, the the subscription you pay for it, mm-hmm. you, you subscribe recurring, and maybe you forget about it, or maybe it's enough of a a, a step to have to go in and cancel it that you're like ah oh, maybe i want to play next week or maybe i want to play next month i'll, I'll yeah. leave it there and i think you know think back to you know the point where you had to buy think about the steps you know someone comes up to you patrick and says hey i hear there's this game called world of warcraft you know about it i want to get started what do i need to do Mm. And, you know, back in the cataclysm days, the answer was, well, you say you're going to go to a shop and you're going to look for four boxes. (laughs) (laughs) I think they might have included some of the... (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they wrapped in Battle Earth, the Burning Crusade, pretty quickly. And Mm. then they wrapped in Wrath. And, you know, at the point of cataclysm, though, you still had to buy the battle chest, which was blended classic and burning crusade and you had to buy wrath. And then obviously, you know, my advice to any new player would be don't buy cataclysm until you're there, but you did have to buy cataclysm. Um, And, you know, they then followed the same pattern and they caught the battle chest up to cataclysm for mists, but later on in mists. So, and then, you know, you have to buy So you have to, the worst case was at the start of cataclysm where they hadn't yet blended burning crusade into the battle chest. So you had to go to the shop and buy (laughs) these boxes and then you have to sign up for the subscription that, and, that's know, when we started having those conversations chest. i think uh yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> i still have my stack of battle chests in the corner and i don't know what happens to them now so i'm curious to find that out um yeah so i mean and it, it's also very interesting that they can still have the subscription going and and you need the subscription it's not like an optional thing and it's really a remnant of that that uh period of time now what is it, almost 15 years ago, where if you wanted to play an always online game and MMO with servers, that was the business model. You had a subscription. Today, try launching a game with a subscription required to play it. People will laugh you out into bankruptcy, you know? But because (laughs) of the the, uh, legacy of that model, they're able to do it. 
So yeah. Uh, Microsoft has uh, kind of hinted at new things coming at Gamescom, and initially it was kind of confusing. People thought it might mean hardware, like uh, new console models, and they very quickly uh, cleared it up, saying it's probably it's it's accessories, um, and there might be a bundle or something, but it's not going to be like new SKUs of well maybe new SKUs, but not new models of hardware, and possibly the Elite. Controller Two, which has been rumored. Yeah, a, a, a few I'm times. very, I'm very excited for the potential for a new Elite controller. The the first one was originally great, but it all like everyone I know who has the original Elite controller has had some kind of problem with it. Oh, really? And uh, like the 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 sticks are stopping working, the triggers on the back are stopping working. For some people, it's the charging cable and charging port are very sensitive to being knocked or like disrupted in any way. And so I personally, the Elite Controller's price on Amazon, which is an interesting indicator for these sorts of things, went up and up and up. And then they stopped offering the insurance. And I'm sort of thinking, hmm, okay, <laughs> something's going on here. So it's, it's you know, there's been three-ish years, I think, since the first Elite something Controller like that, released. Yeah. Uh, mine is dead. Mine is a pile of useless plastic components. Um, so I am really, really hopeful. Uh, I think there was also some images that uh, were quote-unquote leaked. I always now wonder whether leaks are real leaks <laughs> or whether they're like marketing. But I'm really, really hopeful that it's a new Elite controller and you know something, something awesome in that regard or maybe more support for the accessible controllers. You know, it's interesting because that Elite controller, as you mentioned, it's really expensive. It's 150 bucks. Yeah. And when they announced it, I think a, a lot of the community looked at each other and were like, wait, what? what? But our controller works fine. And apparently, I think everyone I've heard uh, uh, talk about their experience with that thing has said, this is the best controller I've ever had, and I love it. I wasn't aware it was uh, uh, it wasn't as durable as one might hope. But I guess you're since you're, you know, really hoping they announce the second uh, revision, I guess you agree that it, it's a great device. Yeah, when it worked... It was fantastic. Like yeah. I, I have relatively large hands, so um, and I, I get cramps a lot with the smaller controllers. Um, so I, I suffer a lot with that. And I think that for me, ergonomically, it was fantastic. The response rates were fantastic. The customizability of the thing was fantastic. You could, for example, the thumbsticks, which are really important if you're playing, you know, the length of the thumbstick is really important because for certain games, you require a longer one for more refined movement and more finesse. And then for other games, you require a shorter one for more speed and more sort of snappiness. And they actually shipped it with multiple thumbsticks. So you could easily switch out the thumbsticks. And that's the D-pad. You could have a circular sort of uh, the Steam controller style, crazy like um, steel drum looking D-pad. You know the one I mean, the one that's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, a, a yeah. concave thing. Um, or you could have a traditional cross-shaped D-pad. Um, they had a huge amount of customizability with it, different trigger lengths on the back. Um, it was fantastic, and I, I just, I really, really hope that they they don't change it. To, it assuming, and I've really, as you can hear, I've really got my hopes up that this is what they're yeah. announcing. <laughs> and I really hope that if it is this, they, you know, they don't change too much with the customizability. They don't change too much with the overall layout, and they just make it more dependable and more reliable. Because when it works, it's fantastic. Oh, well, I might, you know, I would never have. Uh 
guessed I would be interested in a 150 box controller, but use it yeah, on PC I mean, and on Xbox, I might get absolutely. my Xbox out. And, and I mean, do... you look at the Scuff Gaming, uh, Scuff is a, a great manufacturer of like customizable controllers. Mm. And that's what I bought after my Elite controller died. Um, and I think that, you know, the price range is comparable. And as gaming gets bigger and bigger, people are going to be more and more willing to pay crazy amounts of money for something which you can also get a cheaper version of for 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Microsoft, they're making lots of money, uh, especially in the <laughs> gaming division. They don't detail the sales of uh, hardware, so we don't know, still don't know how much hardware they're selling specifically. But um, the gaming revenue has increased forty uh, percent year over year, and. Uh, <clears throat> One might think, well, of course, they launched the Xbox One X, so of course, they're selling a few of those, and that is an easy way of inflating the revenue numbers. But uh, the Xbox software and services revenue has also grown 36% year over year, which means, I mean, that number seems to indicate that they are seeing more activity, and uh, 36% of growth is not insignificant. So maybe Microsoft has figured something out. Maybe their Game Pass is finding uh, customers. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just, you know, people are, are playing more on uh, on Xbox than they were. But 36 and 39% are, are numbers that I'm guessing are bringing uh, a smile to Phil Spencer's face. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. And I think it's also, um, I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's interesting to, if I was looking at those numbers, I would love to understand how much is being contributed by the Windows 10 game store and the associated mm. Xbox Live users coming through there. Um, I don't, I have no sort of real barometer for that. But I, honestly, I think it's fantastic news. I do I do believe that my my understanding at least is that Sony continues to dominate the the console market with the Xbox, excuse me, with the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, Sony makes the Xbox, Olivia, good job. Uh, more coffee for me. But I think it's um, it's it's really interesting to understand the, uh, the the Windows 10 and PC component of that, that 36%. Yeah, it would be. Uh, obviously, they don't release those numbers. But um, yeah, good for them. You know what? Yeah. I think it's uh, it's good news. Um, all right, let's move on to one last uh, bit of news. I'm going to skip over Guerrilla Games basically is going to recruit lots of people and release more games. That's I'm the, so excited uh, for that. <laughs> me too. I'm so excited I mean, for that. Horizon, Horizon was, was my game of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I didn't finish it last year. Um and and spent a few sleepless nights with the baby uh, actually playing it so and finishing <laughs> it this year but it was it was amazing yeah. um and so you know when you make a very very successful game you grow that's what you do so hopefully they're going to be able to release games more uh, uh faster and we're guessing we're not sure but they're having two teams that are going to be working in parallel and if you like your switch uh, arcane studios is uh interested in getting developers that know how to develop on switch so we might be seeing dishonored and other games uh show up on switch at some point in the future this is this is kind of uh, 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 in continuation of what we were saying, I think last time, which is seeing the Switch uh, uh, getting games that we never would have thought would would yeah. be there, like you know, the I Bethesda think if you games. want, if yeah, absolutely, if you want your game to be successful right now, it's a really solid idea to put it on the Switch. If you can, I have can. rebought so many games, yeah, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, last 
bit of news I did want to cover. It's that um, that confusing and maybe frustrating story about the Guild Wars developer, um, the developers that were fired after a uh, kerfuffle on Twitter. ArenaNet, the the developer of Guild Wars, um, or the, the, the owner, the well, the developer, um, has fired Jessica Price and, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the other um, uh, one of their employees oh, that um... was fired as well, um, because basically Jessica Price is at the center of it, but she is a female game developer who uh, went on a uh, uh, well. She she discussed elements of game development. Um, she was talking about uh, narrative, uh, 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 narrative development, narrative threads, how to tell a story um, in a single player game and in a multiplayer game and an MMO, and how to how those two d- differ. Following that. A, a community member called uh, Derwar, I don't know how to read his name, let's read it the French way, um, <laughs> responded to her with a what I think was a polite, respectful um, response, saying, hey, this is really interesting, but I slightly disagree on these and these points. It's worth noting that she wasn't really asking for uh, uh, feedback. She was just saying, you know, this is what I think about this, the the way this aspect of development is. And following his response, um, she tweeted it, she retweeted it with a comment that is quite, uh, um, quite, how, how can I say this? Acidic. Um, she's basically saying uh, the 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 guy was mansplaining her job to her, and this is a really difficult thing to unpack because I think on the face of it, the response that she got initially was fairly benign. But first of all, she wasn't really asking for it, and more importantly, um, I think it's important to understand that. This kind of person, basically a female developer uh, in the gaming industry, is constantly being told what she can or can't say or how to do her job or being mansplained everything. So it seems to me, I have no specific knowledge of this, that she was reacting maybe not to this guy specifically who was being respectful, even though he was uncalled for in his, not uncalled for, but unrequested in his comments. Um but she reacted to a little bit of a of a, a, a general uh, reaction she got. And so that's the first part of the story, and we're going to talk about it as well. But the, the more important thing was that, you know, she responded on, on Twitter. It's kind of, it should have ended there. But of course, all of the nuance of what I was describing was lost on uh, the internet and some of the less uh, savory parts of that internet uh, got involved and sort of started a campaign of harassment, anger, and all of the things you can imagine. We're not sure if that got back to ArenaNet, but the fact is very quickly after that, ArenaNet uh, got her into a room with uh, the other developer 
that uh, was defending her on Twitter, trying to explain why she was reacting that way and explaining why it was he never had to deal with that kind of BS when she always has, like every day. Um, so they basically, Arena Net and the president, uh, Mike O'Brien, got them into a room and said, you know, the, the classical, you're fired, the security guard is getting your things, get out the door. Which... You know, even for me, I'm, I'm looking at what happened on Twitter. It is like, okay, she got in a disagreement. Apparently, uh, ArenaNet had been encouraging them to speak publicly about all of this and, and to speak to the community. And then this happened and they were like, you betrayed the community. You were disrespectful. We have nothing but love for the community. And you're out, which is really like, what? Like, you could discuss it organize, uh, 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 I don't know, live Q&A, uh, uh, send out a message about what happened before, like, your first reaction is to fire her? And the other dude? I don't know. It seems very uh, uh, yeah. strange. So It's very, very strange, I agree. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I figure you're, you, you can talk about this uh, as well. How, what do you think of it? <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's sort of, it's it's definitely, um, it's something which your personal perspective on life is likely to color your response to this situation. Um, and while, you know, I, I definitely understand that the, the f taken in pure isolation, the, the gentleman's response to her was not rude in any way. You have to, for me at least, coming from my perspective as a, a, a woman in the, the gaming world, although not a specific game developer myself, um, it's definitely the case that there's an awful lot of people on the internet who are very, very happy to tell you why you're wrong and tell mm. you why your, your views are unclear. And I think, you know, for someone like me who's in their mid-30s and has been in the gaming world for a very long time, you've also got to kind of remember that for, you know, I started playing video games when I was eight. So for you know, a really large number of years, my masters were 28 years, I've sort of been being told that I'm, because I'm a girl, I'm wrong. Uh, because I'm a girl, my opinion is inherently worth less. Because I'm a girl, I shouldn't be. What am I even doing in this video game shop? Am I buying this for my boyfriend? Am I buying this for my brother? Am I buying this for my dad? Um, and it's sort of like there's a whole host of background and there's a whole host of context that's really important to remember here. Um, to me, you know, my understanding from t reading about this, I don't know uh, either of these people, uh, Price or Fries, personally. Um, I followed both of them right, for a Peter long Fries time. Peter Fries is the name of the... Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I, sh I was yeah. going to interject and say it's Peter Fries. Um, and so I think that it's... They, ArenaNet has in the past been good to being good about this, being good about sort of letting their their co their colleagues say what they feel on social media. And so it was extremely surprising to me that to what to me was something, you know, I I also didn't really feel that she was attacking the community even, mm. uh, saying, you know, there are a lot of hats on the internet. There are, unfortunately. I, I encounter a lot of them on a daily basis running Twitch chat. Um, and it's it should be acceptable to raise up the constant 
not harassment's the wrong word here, but the constant like wall that women face on the internet when trying to exert their expertise in the gaming space. Um, and, and to be fair, and sorry I think to that, interrupt. Sorry. For just no, a second, to, to, I'm going to read her tweet because it's not like she was being inflammatory. She she quoted the, 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 the response she got saying, today in being a female game dev, quote, uh, uh, column, quote, allow me a person who does not work with you uh, to explain to you how you should do your job. Or, I'm sorry, it's not yeah. exactly that. But, so, I mean, it's... Worse that effect. Yeah, it's kind of tame. It, it, she wasn't insulting or anything. She was just being frustrated. Yeah, and I think, you know, I there's... there's um, she And then I think she went on to... <clears throat> excuse me, I think that the thing that she specifically said um, was something along the lines of... Um, Man, I wish that I could remember exactly what it was, but it had the word asshat in it. And right. it was, but it wasn't specifically saying, hey, this guy, you're being an asshat. <laughs> it was saying, there are asshats on the internet. And that word doesn't work in my accent because I can't say asshat because I sound stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think it's it's one of those, it's, it's very, very important. And the community, we were talking earlier about these witch hunts, and the community chooses to ignore the larger context, partly because it behooves them to do so, but also partly because it isn't immediately abundantly clear to someone who hasn't been being a woman in the gaming space for most of their life, mm. that this is how the world appears. And I think it's, to me, it's one of those things where we were talking earlier about how I really hope that Epic will continue to condemn the witch hunt as well as condemn the potential cheater. Um, and in the in a way, ArenaNet has done precisely the opposite of that in this case. Um, this particular incident has definitely emboldened the would-be witch hunters. Uh, there's a lady out there called Jennifer Scherler, who is a German game developer working out of Australia, uh, works on various games funded by NASA, uh, exploring space, that kind of thing. And she and many um, other women in the gaming space have been the subject of a form letter uh, that was sent around to a lot of large game dev houses saying, subsequent to this event, saying, hey, this game developer name has blah, 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 insulted the community, blah, blah, blah. Here's a couple of examples. The people doing this screwed up the form letter and failed to merge it correctly. So it actually just read hash female name in the form letter. <laughs> so oh. I think it's, it's terrible. And, you know, this, is, this move by ArenaNet has rekindled some of the angst around the Gamergate situation and re-emboldened the witch hunters mm. to assert and to push and to jump on this sort of bandwagon. And obviously it's not, and I, you know, an angry person in the comments would probably say, hey, it's not just, it's not just women. No, it's absolutely not just women. It is disproportionately women, but it is certainly not just women. And so to me, I think that the... An attempt, uh, while I understand the position stated in doing such, like I get the logic, I get the, I get the, the uh, sense in it. The to just sort of say, "Hey, Dewar was not being rude," is to ignore a much larger context and a much larger situation, mm. particularly in a time which we are in now, which is great, where women are feeling emboldened and are feeling empowered to speak up against 
the struggles of being a woman in day-to-day life, which are felt particularly keenly by women in game dev. Mm. Um, and, you know, the movie industry is moving and changing and maybe, may, and I'm not for a second in, asserting that the game development industry is as bad in this many in those so many ways as the movie industry but we certainly have our own struggles to deal with and this is kind of one of those things where it's very disappointing as someone who's female in the gaming space to feel set back by arena net's actions mm. yeah well the i mean i'm not going to add uh, a lot to what you said <laughs> i think you said it very well uh the the point which one of the points which is interesting is that you're saying it does it, it's not about there are being rude or not that's not the 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 issue here and the other thing obviously is that arena that acted in way i mean it's their prerogative but i think it's it's disappointing what i'm hoping for um i think i mean this is a different issue altogether it doesn't have to do with price but as a conclusion i'm looking at the landscape uh the gaming landscape and i'm seeing i was struck by this when i launched a uh, fortnite a few days ago and they have a, a number of avatars you know skins and characters mm-hmm. portrayed in the game and in the season five poster or key art or you know those kinds of uh, uh, depictions and they have a lot of female characters none of them in revealing outfits you know it, it seems consciously uh designed in a respectful way i think overwatch has shown that it's possible to do that i think um maybe blizzard has a very strong intent in that in that yeah, regard definitely. they have the latest uh characters folk uh, uh, characters they're focusing on for battle for azeroth are predominantly female and predominantly uh have substance <laughs> so <laughs> I, i'm hoping things are moving in the in the right direction um this definitely feels like uh, uh this latest thing by by arena net feels like a setback but yeah and there being a you know to me in my opinion and obviously we all get one of those um <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. in my opinion and unfortunately or fortunately depending yeah. on your perspective we all get one of those and in my opinion uh understandably many leading developers have come out and sort of said hey look this is this is nonsense this is crazy mm. uh night in the woods developer scott benson has been particularly vocal about that um i i won't repeat what he said but it's certainly <laughs> you can go find it it's certainly strong um and the you know I, to me it's troubling that the witch hunt is now feeling very empowered um, and sort of taking action and trying to get other, not exclusively, but certainly disproportionately female game developers fired because they feel like they can again now. But you're right. Overall, I think we're moving in the right direction. And I think that, you know, Fortnite and Overwatch and Horizon Zero Dawn and The Last of Us. And, you know, now it's there's someone myself who prefers to play female avatars because I like to feel that I myself and that person in that game the scope of games that I can play is far wider now than it was five years ago. And that's mm. fantastic. And I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, one step back, hopefully two steps forward. Hopefully. And I will let that be the last word on the episode. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Olivia, for being on. I think it was My an pleasure. awesome time. Um, before we say goodbye, would you tell the fine people listening, who are obviously uh, some of the finest on the internet, where they can find more of you? Do you have any uh, online presence? Do you have a 
Twitch channel or Twitter I account? do. I have uh, the best places to find me. I have a Facebook page, but I don't think I've used it in four years. So don't go there. <laughs> uh, Twitter, I am Olivia D. Grace. Olivia D. for Delta in the middle. Then my surname, Grace. And you can find me there. On Twitch, I'm just plain old Olivia. Um, Ooh, so you, you got can, the... <laughs> I did. Nice. But very old account. So yeah, you can find me on twitch.tv slash Olivia for very sporadic and occasional streams of whatever game I'm feeling like playing that evening. Um, and you can find me on Twitch. Yeah, this has been a pleasure, Patrick. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, the link to your Twitter account will be in the show notes. I'm not Patrick on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. If you want to see uh, photos of my incredibly cute baby when he's not screaming at the top of his lungs, uh, you can go there. Uh, <laughs> and you can find this show, of course, at uh, frenchspin.com. If you want to comment, uh, let us know what we got right what we got wrong you can do that again that's frenchspin.com uh maybe you want to tell about this show to your to your friends uh, tell them you know what just grab their phones uh get you their podcast app and uh search for pixels and subscribe them to the to the show i think that would uh, really it's a slight invasion of privacy but really you're doing them a service so i think it's warranted so you go do that or at the very least you could uh, recommend the show to them if they're interested in games and you think they might like this show that is going to be it for us thank you so much for listening we might not be back in a couple of weeks because i might be taking a couple of weeks off we'll see what happens there but i'll be back after that obviously with a show for everyone talk to you then bye